Am I living this life only for my physical self, only for material needs or enjoyments? Or is my greatest motivation in this life to know God, to discover God's will for me, to pursue the spiritual? And that is just one moment from today's Peace and Power Bible Talk with Dr. Jim Coleman. Welcome. Somewhere deep within, each of us desires an inner flow of peace and power that transforms our daily attitudes, relationships, and life decisions. The Bible, God's message to us, teaches us to live in that flow. Remember, the outline of today's talk is available in the show notes, and the full transcript is posted on our website at peaceandpowerpodcast.com. That's peaceandpowerpodcast.com. Now, let's listen for God's guidance in today's Bible talk. During American football season, I was listening to the game analysts before a football game as each of them made their pick for which team would win the game. All the analysts had chosen the same team to win, until the last analyst, and he said, You are all talking like this game is already over. I disagree. This game will come down to the good decision-making by the other quarterback. If he has a game of good decisions, especially no interceptions and getting out of the pocket as it collapses, I predict his team can stay in this game, maybe even win. This analyst reminded the panel that the game would be decided by decisions. Life, of course, is the same way. The Bible does not teach that our lives are already decided, that we have an unchangeable destiny. It very clearly teaches that God has given you and me a free will. What an incredible gift from our Creator. Free will allows us, of course, the ability and the responsibility to choose God's way. Our destiny is based on our decisions. When Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, they faced a real decision, and they chose to believe the lie of the serpent rather than the truth of the Creator. It was a big decision. And we face big decisions about our priorities, our relationships, our integrity. It is these decisions which, one by one, shape our legacy and our destiny. The story in Genesis of two brothers, the twins, Esau and Jacob, Abraham's grandchildren, shows us exactly how important personal and parental decisions are. In fact, sometimes this story is interpreted in a totally opposite way, as a story of God deciding what Esau and Jacob's destinies will be. If anything, the story reveals that God holds these twin brothers responsible, responsible for their own decisions. But God is then at work in redeeming and giving value to their wrong decisions, trying to turn their negative choices into opportunities for faith and hope. Hear the story as it is read from Genesis 25, verses 19 through 34. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel 
the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, and the sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife, because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? she asked. And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when the twins were born. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, First you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother, Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. This important world-changing story begins when two people meet and marry. You may remember their touching love story. Isaac's mother had just died, and his father Abraham sent a servant back to their homeland to find a wife for Isaac. After a heartfelt prayer for guidance, this servant found Rebekah, and she was willing to marry Isaac even though she hadn't yet met him. But when they did meet, their love developed almost immediately, and she helped Isaac through his grief, his grief over his mother's death. Yes, this is a beautiful love story of two becoming one, but both of them had to choose one another, to deliberately choose a life together. We see especially in Rebecca's part of the story that she faces a choice and decides to go and to see this man, and then falls in love. And as we'll see, God will bless the children from their marriage. And Jesus, the Messiah, and the Savior will someday come from Jacob's family line. Their marriage was a very important decision. Later, when it seemed like Rebekah might not become the mother that she longed to be, Isaac and Rebekah became great examples of prayer. You know, 2,000 years later, the Apostle Paul taught that we should turn worry into prayer. 
Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. For this need in their lives, Isaac and Rebekah lived out that verse. Isaac prayed that Rebekah would have a child, and the Lord gave her two children, twins. Sometimes God gives us double the blessing we ask for. This is what the Lord informed her of when she was troubled by a difficult pregnancy, and she prayed. The Lord especially hears the heart of a praying mother. Rebecca was obedient to pray. Once when I was attending a spiritual renewal weekend, there was a time of prayer, and we were in a church sanctuary that had a balcony, and I just sensed the Lord telling me to go up to the balcony and to find someone praying alone and to pray with them. I didn't immediately go to the balcony, but the Holy Spirit kept prompting me uh, to go. And so after a few minutes, I went up and I found someone praying alone and I prayed with that person and for that person. And now I still don't know why God prompted me to do that, but I needed to be obedient to pray. Rebecca was an excellent example of obedience in prayer and God blessed her for that obedience. Jesus says to believe in prayer because we believe in a loving Heavenly Father who hears us and wisely answers us. Part of God's message to Rebecca was a relief to her. She would have twins. But we also see in these verses the Lord told her of a troubling future between her twins. The conflict she was now experiencing in her womb would continue outside her womb. Her two sons would be rivals, and against the culture of that day, the eldest son would serve the youngest son. That was backward. In other words, reversed from the common cultural practice. God often works backward from the way we think and we plan. Jesus taught that we should love our enemies, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. That's backward. Jesus taught that we should pray for those who persecute us, also Matthew 5, 44. That's backward. Jesus said that we should not take credit at times for our good deeds, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. That's backward. Jesus taught that in giving our lives away, we find true life, Matthew 17, 25. That is backward from what we think is true life. God's way forward is is sometimes to work backward from our ways. And so in this story, the youngest son, Jacob, will have superiority over the oldest son, Esau. Why did God decide to reveal this future conflict to Rebekah? I think God was revealing that he knew the future selfish decisions Esau and Jacob would make. God was not determining that would happen, only describing to their mother that God knew what choices these twin brothers would make. God knows the decisions I will make, but still gives me the freedom of choice to make them. Valuing my free will is that important to my Creator, but God does hold me responsible for my choices and my decisions. Now the names given to each of these sons at birth were Esau and Jacob. Esau is an unusually 
hairy baby, and in the Hebrew language, the name Esau sounds like the word for hair. It's a play on words, which in English we often call a pun. Jacob's name is also a pun, because in Hebrew, Jacob sounds like heel, and Jacob was grabbing at Esau's heel at birth. But heel grabbing was another way to describe a deceiver, someone who tries to trip up others through deception. How will Jacob come to lead his brother? By misleading, by deceiving his brother. When Rebekah and Isaac give this name to Jacob, they are facing the reality of what God had already told Rebekah in prayer. Their sons will be rivals. And facing reality is a very important decision because then you and I can begin to deal with things as they really are. Unfortunately, Isaac and Rebekah later make unwise decisions that increase rather than decrease their son's conflict. They knew of this dynamic that was going to happen in their family, and yet they responded in ways that increased the dynamic instead of solving those conflicts. A part of that coming conflict is their opposite personalities. Esau is an outdoorsman, rough, rugged, probably athletic. Jacob is more of a homebody and enjoys domestic chores like cooking. These personality differences seem to heighten their other differences and their interpersonal conflict, even though they could each choose to make these differences complementary. One didn't like to do what the other liked to do. Their personalities could be seen as complementary, but instead, these two twins turned their differences into conflict. Don't we face the same choices in our family relationships? We can embrace our differences. We need to encourage each other to be authentic, be who your personality makes you to be, and you will still be loved for who you are. That is a message we need in our family units. Otherwise, we become frustrated that our family members and friends aren't who we want them to be, and that leads to conflict. But even though we accept one another's personalities and move toward how complementary they can be, but of course, we are still responsible for our personalities, for the decisions we make in our personalities, still accountable to God and to others. Unfortunately, Isaac and Rebekah reinforce these personality differences and increase the sibling rivalry rather than teaching their twin boys a different pattern of relationship. Isaac makes Esau his favorite, so to speak, son. And Rebekah makes Jacob her favorite son. What a huge parental mistake. In fact, Isaac and Rebekah will both pay a very heavy price for dividing their sons. Later, Jacob will deceive his father and then have to run away from home, and Rebekah, his mother, will never see him again. These two parents chose, they decided, to love ungenerously in their home. They each acted like they had only so much love to give, and they chose to give it to their sons unequally. They each reserved more love for one son than the other when God certainly would have given them enough love for both, they could have chosen, could have decided to love generously. What a very tragic, destructive decision. Then, in what becomes the most important scene in this story, 
Esau and Jacob make one of the most important decisions of their lives. It will affect generations. It will affect world history. This scene tells us the true, deeper motives of these two brothers. Esau returns to camp after hunting, and he is famished. Jacob has a savory, rich-scented pot of stew warming over the campfire. And Esau, always motivated by his physical desires, wants to eat now. Knowing this was his brother's weakness, these gotta-have-it-now physical desires, Jacob makes him a deal. Jacob will serve Esau up a warm bowl of stew if Esau gives Jacob Esau's birthright, his God-given right to lead the family. Now remember, this is not just any family. This is Abraham's family, a family given amazing promises by God. And Esau couldn't care less. He does not care about God's spiritual plan for his family or letting God guide him as the family leader. He cares more about a bowl of warm soup. And Jacob is not innocent in this scene. He is overambitious to lead the family and to cheat his brother. Each of these twin brothers is in the wrong here. But when you read the rest of Genesis, you see that Esau never changes from the unspiritual man he is. Yet Jacob enters old age with deep spiritual commitment. It is this spiritual aspect of their characters that drives their decisions and becomes their destinies. Well, notice the important principles that we've seen in this text. Number one, decisions are a gift from God. Secondly, we need God's help, God's insight and wisdom to make decisions according to God's will. Third, the impact of some of our decisions can be intergenerational. Fourth, our greatest decision is who we will become, our character. And fifth, that decision about our character hinges on our choice to live only in the natural or to live in the spiritual. And so doesn't this become the important question that you and I ask ourselves? Am I living this life only for my physical self, only for material needs or enjoyments? Or is my greatest motivation in this life to know God, to discover God's will for me, to pursue the spiritual? This will guide my small daily decisions and my most important life-shaping decisions. Our choice to value our spiritual life will guide all of our other decisions, which will become our destinies. And here is a peace and power truth. Free will is a powerful gift that can bring conflict or peace. Thank you for listening to the Peace and Power podcast, and we invite you to subscribe to hear the next upcoming Bible talk. Again, our website is peaceandpowerpodcast.com, 
And our prayer is that God's Word has brought you a greater sense of a supernatural flow of God's peace and power in your life.